This is episode 152 with five-time NCAA champion, three-time national champion, and 2004 Olympian in the 1500, Ms. Carrie Tolfson. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm Jason Fitzgerald, host of the podcast and head coach of Strength Running. If you're listening, that means you're a runner who wants to improve, and that's our goal here, to give you the training ideas, strategies, and resources to accomplish whatever big goal that you might have. I'll be bringing you the titans in the fitness world, the pro coaches, performance experts, elite runners, sports psychologists, thought leaders, physical therapists, and strength coaches to give you new insights into this incredible sport. I want you to better understand running to view knowledge as a competitive advantage, and to always have the tools to take your running to the next level. The more you understand the sport, the better decisions you'll make about your training. Don't miss our other 151 episodes, our video channel on YouTube, or where it all began, strengthrunning.com, where you can find our coaching services, detailed guides on everything from mastering your mindset to running for beginners to how you can stay healthy and stop getting injured so frequently. A big thanks to our sponsor, Path Projects, for their continued support. If you've been a listener over the last couple months, you know that I've been wearing more and more Path gear and for good reason. Many of their items are award-winning, and if you run into me over the weekend, it's likely all I'm wearing. The shorts are performance-oriented and durable, the t-shirts are soft and flexible, and the base liners are super comfortable. See all of their running gear at pathprojects.com. Okay, our guest today is none other than 2004 Olympian Carrie Tolfson. You might recognize her as a three-time national champion or the 1998 NCAA Indoor Track Athlete of the Year, or maybe you've just seen her on TV a lot. She's been a broadcaster for years, having commentated on races for ESPN, NBC, ABC, and USATF TV. Her commentary has appeared in numerous world-class races from the Boston Marathon to Foot Locker Nationals to the Tokyo Marathon. But... This conversation doesn't center on Carrie's accomplishments as an athlete, though we could have reserved a three-part series for that. No, we're talking about her relationship with running and with runners. We'll be discussing her love for the running community, what us recreational runners can learn from the pros, and her advice to new runners on how they can become more involved in the running community. Carrie is a true pleasure to speak with, and her enthusiasm, her joy, and thoughtfulness are infectious. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Ms. Carrie Tolfson. Carrie, I'm excited to hang out with you now. Thank you so much for making some time today. Yeah, I'm excited to be on your show, Jason. This is an honor and so fun that you and I were part of the running, the Ram, Rambling Runner virtual series, if I can get that out. And we got to finish up as teammates. So I got to know you a little bit through that. And so thank you for letting me come on your show. Yeah, well, I'm particularly excited because I, I just feel like we have a, a certain kinship. We both have three kids. We were teammates on that virtual uh, half marathon earlier this year through Rambling Runner. Uh, we both obviously love running. We're podcasters. So I'm just surprised I haven't had you on the podcast earlier. <laughs> I know, but it's hard, isn't it? Like all these stories come up and all these different guests come up and, you know, it's, if we could have a podcast every single day, we'd, we'd be able to find people because there's so many cool stories and 
I don't know about you, but I just think all runners are amazing. So I could share every single, you know, person's story. And I still would think it's just as equally as exciting as the next. Exactly. And I, I do want to talk more about that very soon. But uh, and, and I know we have a lot to talk about, but I wanted to get one question off my chest first. That's a little weird. I actually did not even send this to you before <laughs> before uh, we started recording. I noticed while I was doing my homework for this episode oh. that you have five state cross-country titles from high school. Okay, um, that's better than what I thought this question was going to be, Jason. <laughs> well, we're, we're keeping it uh, running friendly here. Okay, good. But, how in the world do you have five state cross-country titles? So I'm in Minnesota, if you guys can't tell. And uh, I grew up out there. And in Dawson, we cooperate with another school um, called Lacaparle Valley. And so Dawson Boyd was my school with two different little towns. And then Lacaparle Valley had, I don't know, maybe up to five different little towns out there. And so we cooperated and we were able to compete at the state level in the seventh grade. And so I was ninth and seventh grade in the state. And then eighth grade on, I won the big school division one year, we would drop down to the little school the next because we had so many kids at that point, that we were three kids up, you know, over the deadline or the whatever you want to say the the amount of kids you could have, or we were two kids under the next. So I won every year from eighth grade on. (laughs) Wow. So you were able to compete with high schoolers as you were technically a middle schooler and you still beat them all. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, I was chasing after my big sisters for many years before I started competing. And then I had one sister still left in high school. Um, and you know what? My parents just said, Carrie, go have fun and try and hang on to Cami, my middle sister. And she was a senior. And in my first race, I sat right on her shoulder and I, this was in 1989. That was my very first year of cross country. And I had huge like rocker mall bangs, you know, bright, frosty pink lipstick, neon shoes, like buck teeth way past my, my toes. Like it was just an ugly sight. And I always say that I think my sister saw my shadow before she saw me. And I, she looked to the, to her side and basically told me to get going and to get after it. And I did. And um, ended up beating my big sister and pr- placing third in my first race. And I always say I owe a lot to her. Cammy was the first one to kind of kick me in the pants and say, don't you ever slow down for anyone in life. You go get it. And it's been kind of one of those, you know, lifelong adventures that I've been on in this sport. Yeah, you sure have. And and maybe we can talk about that because first of all, I'm just glad we could get that out of the way first. <laughs> I'm glad I, I figured that out about you. Um, makes it all even more impressive. But, you know, what I really wanted to bring attention to is just your your visceral passion for the sport of running. You were a standout in high school. I could probably say you were a standout in middle school after that brief story there. You were in college, you were incredible. And then clearly as a professional, you went to the Olympics. Now you're retired, and but you're still just as involved in the running community as ever. And you know, we're talking about sharing running stories. You get excited about all these stories. And you're just someone who's clearly so much uh, enmeshed and embedded in the running community. And you have been for such a long time. Do you feel as though you just have lived your life through the sport of running? Yeah, I do. I feel like I am, you know, I'm not obsessed with it, which some people might think I am. (laughs) 
You know, I am somebody that loves to run hard. I love the sport. I love everything about it. But I also love my days off. I love my time away. And so I just think that, you know, it's just something that has made me tick in life. And I get excited about going for a run. I get excited about working hard. And so I think that whatever this sport did to me, and I loved playing basketball, I loved performing and music and in plays and, you know, doing different things like that. But whatever this sport did to me um, has been something that even though I'm not nearly as fast, I still love to kind of feel the grind of it and the ups and downs of it. So um, that's been really fun. But I think most importantly, my the biggest thing for me is that I love this community so much and it's really important to me. For sure. And and I can see why. I mean, I, I just love the running community as well. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about something you just said. You just said, whatever this sport did to me, you know, made me fall in love with it and clearly has been something in your life that has made you tick. What do you think that thing was? What is it about running that was different from all the other things that that you've gotten into, that your interests lie? You know, things like, you know, you said you're a basketball player. Um, you know, why wasn't it basketball? What is it about running that makes it so special to you? Yeah, you know, I think the sport of running has just given me so much joy and so much excitement, even through the ups and the downs, but, you know, having people in my corner throughout life, like it just seems like that's what runners do. Even like us podcasters, right? Like, yeah, it's, it kind of is a competitive world at times, but I think that we have this little niche of really being excited to share the excitement about our sport, um, the joys that people get out of just putting one foot in front of the other. And hopefully the way that we can come together as a community and really show that we support each other, no matter what, where you're from, what we look like, all of those different things. And that to me is what's important about the sport. And I just, I miss so much, to be honest, like going to the races and being at the finish line, whether it's track or cross country or road races, and just seeing that exhilaration of people just running a race. And sometimes they're sad, sometimes they're excited. But really, once people are done, it's just this like camaraderie that we did something hard, we pushed ourselves hard. And you know, we're, we've accomplished something. And, um, I just love the sport. I really do. I can't say enough about it. Yeah. I feel the same way. I just, it's given me so much, everything from, you know, my college experience was thanks, thanks to running. You know, my wife was someone who I met on the school's cross country team and, you know, we hit it off, uh, as soon as we met and, you know, it's just been like, my God, my, my whole life can be kind of rooted back to certain aspects of, of running. Um, and I think that's one of the things that makes running so unique is that it doesn't matter if you're an Olympian. It doesn't matter if you only do a couple park runs a few times a year, you're still experiencing the same sport at the same visceral intensity as someone else who might be a lot slower or a lot faster than you, you know, and, and I think that's what makes it just so special. Um, now you obviously have had very high ups, your, your ups and downs that you were talking about, you know, your ups were, you know, running in the Olympics. And I would love to talk about that experience and your, your experience as an Olympian in, in how it prepared you to be a coach and to work with so many members of the running community now who might be relatively new to the sport or, you know, aren't, 
Olympic caliber athletes. And, and I ask this because I think a lot of beginners or, or even runners with a few years of experience think that high level runners, Olympians are this rare breed of super athlete. Nothing ever goes wrong for them. And their training and their ideas just aren't appropriate for that, you know, relatively average runner. What do you say to that? Oh my goodness. Like this is like a whole series of if you want to talk about all the things I've been through in this sport, let's do like a month long series. <laughs> and it might be an everyday podcast because <laughs> don't tempt me, Carrie. I know, right? Um, there are so many things that have come along in this life that, of mine that I've had in 43 years. And a lot of it has had to do with running. I mean, some things not so much running, but I've been through so much in this sport and it has made me one tough woman. And that's, I mean, one thing that I'm really proud of is this sport has made me who I am. And, um, I know I can handle tough things. I know I can, you know, stand up in front of a crowd and and speak and not be afraid to do it. And I hope that my kids understand that this sport is more about seeing what you're made of. And I don't think you have to be an Olympian to say that, you know, when you guys go and tow the line to get ready for a race, no matter if you are a sub three hour marathoner, a sub four hour marathoner, sub five, or you're just trying to get there before they shut the the whole thing down. We are doing something that is very hard and, and it's tough on the body, but more importantly, it's tough on your mind. And when you can train your brain to be tough, it's pretty powerful thing. And so, you know, when I've gone through these ups and downs, and yeah, some of them have been really high ups, and it's been really fun to be able to say I'm an Olympian. Um, I still kind of get goosebumps every time I open my podcast or I sign an autograph for people that, you know, rarely want one now, but they get one every now and then. Um, (laughs) I'm asking for one when we meet. (laughs) Okay. That sounds a little weird, but okay, we'll do that. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's still pretty fun to write, Jason. And, um, I think for me, I've learned more from the downs than the ups, to be honest. Like I learned so much when I was injured and I have a lot of injuries that I can go through. But my first big one was I had a tumor in my heel when I was in college and they found it right before I won my very first NCAA championship. And they didn't know if there was cancer in the, in the tumor. They didn't know if I was going to break through my heel and they called it like a break that would be similar to when you cut a log of wood with an axe. That's where my tumor was in my calcaneus was right below my ankle bone and it would have shattered it had I broke it. And um, that could have ended my career if it was cancer, you know, that all kinds of things come with that, obviously, we know. Um, So that was my first real big injury. They ended up packing it with donor bone and I had to have six months off from the sport after I won my very first NCAA championship. Like all this stuff, in college, that all came about. I had uh, multiple different injuries. Um, as a pro, I had other injuries. I did the splits the January before the Olympic Games. So I went to the Olympic Games and I had two stress fractures on my pubic symphysis. I had torn my abs off the bone. I could barely lift my left leg by the time I was in Athens. Like I was a mess, but I got through it and I toughed it out and I was you know, so thankful that I got there and did it. And then the next, the next cycle in 2008, I was ready to go. I wanted to make that team. I wanted to go back and make the final and do some damage. And I got pneumonia like three weeks before the Olympic trials. And so, you know, just all of these highs and lows of this sport, 
you know, have taught me so much about me. And, uh, you know, I just, I know I'm a changed woman and person because of it. So yeah, you, you talk about the highs, but I really do believe that the lows are what gets you back out the door to get excited to really see what you're made of. I can't agree more. And I think a lot of us, you know, we intellectually understand that a lot of mistakes can be reframed as learning opportunities. You know, there's this whole body of literature in the sports psychology space talking about how failure is not necessarily failure and how that is such an important lesson to learn. But why is it so hard for us to, you know, obviously it's difficult and we don't want to take time off because of injury. We don't want to have a bad race or miss a qualifying time. But when those quote unquote bad things do happen to us, have you found that there's any easier ways of transitioning from the woe is me, I really wish this wasn't happening to me right now, and then moving on to the, okay, how can I come back stronger? What can I learn from this situation? And you know, how can I turn this into a positive? How do we get from, from the former to the latter a little bit more quickly? And, and I, I'm asking you because you have had a lot of downs, a lot of negative experiences, but that hasn't dampened your enthusiasm for the sport. I mean, you still love it. And, and, and I think at, at a, a level like yours that you are running at, you know, this lesson has to be learned fairly quickly or else, you know, you never would have really accomplished much. So, so how can we do that? How can we transition? Well, you know, I think for me, I learned early on about trying to prove people wrong. And that kind of has fueled me. Now, some people don't love that. And I don't know if there's a negative twist to it for some people. For me, it was never a negative. It was just like, let's go. Let's go show them what I got, right? And it started early because I was successful at a young age, Jason. Like in eighth grade, I ran 1041 for the two mile. And that now it sounds kind of like those times are a little slow compared to um, you know, what they're running now, 1041 stills an eighth grader would, would be pretty fast, but, um, you know, they're breaking 10 minutes all the time now, these girls. And, um, so I ran fast early and I always had these voices or these articles or, you know, people asking me like, do you think you're going to be fast when you get older or when you make that change, you know, as you go from being a girl to becoming a woman? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, why, why, when you get your period, are you going to slow down? I never understood that. Like, why would you put that into a kid's head? And at a young age, I remember saying that, like, I can remember a couple coaches talking about it. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. When you become a woman, you be, you have more muscles, like you, you're stronger, like all these things. Like I started thinking, well, I'm going to show that coach who told me I'm going to slow down just because I'm going to grow and be, you know, become a woman. So it started early that way. And I remember even in college when they told me I had my tumor in my heel that like, you know, I might not be that runner again. I'm like, well, I'm going to show you. And I came back and won four more NCAA championships after I won the one before I had my surgery. And then even as a pro, like, you know, people just kind of always had this like, well, you know, maybe it won't happen this year or, you know, she's in between a 1500 meter runner and a 5k runner. So what's her event? And you know, I just kind of always thought, I'm going to show you. And a lot of times, to be honest, the person I was showing was the person in the mirror. And I can remember when I would get hurt, staring in the mirror on the elliptical or on the underwater treadmill or, 
in the pool. Maybe there wasn't a mirror in the pool, but I saw myself and I was racing myself. And I remember just thinking, you can do this. Like, and I get kind of sweaty even now, like bringing myself back to those days, like getting fired up and getting excited and getting focused. And, you know, I still think that till this day, I'll go into a big speech and on my drive to the speech, I'll be going through it out loud in my car and I'll be getting sweat, sweat rings. <laughs> and I'm like mad because I'm already sweaty before I go into the event. But, um, you know, I, I get fired up because I want to prove people that I can do it. And I think I learned that at an early age and it's stuck with me. And I think everyone has that in them. They just got to find it. Yeah, I think finding what works for you, what motivates you, what makes you just get up in the morning and just want to get after it when it comes to your running is such a valuable discovery process for any runner. And, you know, I had a lot of that in my career too. I remember I started getting into the steeplechase as a senior in college and I'm only five foot seven. I I really have no business running the steeplechase, but it was such an event. It was an event that captured my imagination. It was it just seemed so exciting. It seemed different. And I really wanted to try it. Well, as I was preparing for it and getting ready, I strained the arch in my left foot. And I had to take about 10 days off of running. I was doing cross training and all that. But, you know, coming back from that, I had a teammate who I really looked up to who was a lot better than I was. And one of our coaches tell me that the steeplechase has you know, eaten and, and spit out, chewed up runners much better than you in the past. And you've only been preparing for it for about eight weeks and you're coming off an injury. I don't think this is a good idea. And, and they just tried to talk me out of it. And I was so fired up to run this and I ended up running. I was like, I'm sorry, this is my senior year. It's my last season. Let me, let me run this race. I ended up winning the steeple at our home meet, like in front of a bunch of friends that felt really good. I qualified for the new England meet and it was just, you know, a, a great experience. And, and to this day, I just have that feeling of, don't you dare tell me I can't do something because then I want to do it even more. So that feeling certainly resonates with me. And, and I think as long as you can keep a, a healthy perspective on things, that can be an incredible motivating force for any runner. Oh, for sure. And that's what I think is key that you just said is you have to have a healthy relationship with that. You know, I can remember too, even after my um, competitive years, I was getting into the world of commentary. And I had my second baby, Everett, who is now seven years old. And I was trying to have him in time so I could get out to the Olympic trials marathon in LA in 2012. No, yeah, 2012. No, it must have been 2016. How was that now? Yeah, 2012 was in LA, right? Well, if no, it was if your son is seven, that means he was born in 2013. Yep. No, it was 20. Yeah. Thank you for the math, Jason. Because I have a daughter who's seven, so I, I yeah, get. No, it was Greer in 2016. Oh my gosh, is this not mom brain or what? But <laughs> 2016, going out to LA, it was Greer, and I had him February 1st. And the Olympic trials, I believe, were February 11th. So I had to get on an airplane, you know, 10 days after having him. And I can remember the producers from NBC were saying, Carrie, do you think you're going to do this? Then I'd, I'd say, yeah, I think I'm due. He was a week overdue. So I was due in January. 
And I was more than willing to get on that plane to go out there because I didn't want to be that person that couldn't do it. You know, I wanted to be tough and I wanted to go out and show them that I took my job serious. My baby was going to be away from me for 24 hours. He was going to be fine. It was perfect. He bonded with Charlie. Um, But I still did it. I just remember, though, every day for about a week, the producers would text me and say, do you think you're going to have him today? Do you think you're going to have them today? Uh, How about tomorrow? And, you know, we obviously don't know when we're having our kids. Um, But then again, that's where that, that I can do this, even if people don't think I can, kind of, you know, got me out the door. And it was one of those things in my career I'll never forget. I think doing the things that other people say you can't do is one of the most confidence building things that you can do in your entire life. And this is separate from running. You don't have to run a race, hit a certain time. This is really above and beyond running, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, it is, it's instilled in you, I think. Like This is what makes us us. And I think it's coachable. I think people can find that through coaching. But I also think it's sort of what makes somebody successful, not only in running, but in other things. And I think if you can find that, that thing that makes you tick, right, that for me is running, and it's sort of performing, maybe, maybe it's not just running, maybe it's just performing. Um, That's what kind of fuels me to be a tough individual. And I'm just thankful that I still love it. Yeah. And, and no doubt that the, the running community as a whole has helped keep that fire alive over the years, uh, whether that was your teammates, whether that was, you know, your fans and everyone else that you were working with. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about community because um, we were talking about it earlier. We could probably, you know, like you said, have a, a podcast a day about this, but you have just given back so much to the running community. And I want to acknowledge that. I mean, not only as an athlete at the top of the sport, but as a broadcaster and race commentator, uh, as a podcaster and as someone who makes herself available for other media, just like right now here on the podcast, what is it about runners that you seem to love so much? Cause it doesn't seem, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You seem like you want to surround yourself with those who run. Yeah. You know, I coach this group called Moms on the Run, and there's about 2,000 runners across the country that I write plans for. And it has been really fun to be able to be a mom on the run um, because I think they now relate to me. Before, I love being an Olympic athlete. I love being an elite athlete. I love interacting with that high-caliber athlete that will devote their life through thick and thin on, you know, a contract or no contract, doesn't matter. They're going to give everything they got for the sport. I love those people. I love people that work 40, 50, 60 hour weeks and still get out the door, whether it's for a mile or 10 miles every day. I am really excited about this group that I've been with now for about two years. They are learning to run. Some of them have never been runners. Some of them are coming back from having babies some are trying to run a marathon for the first time. There's just such a big group. But for the first time in many years, people now give me advice and say, you know, this is what we do with our kids, or this is what we work at, how we work as an entrepreneur, and we're trying to fit in our runs. And it's just been a really fun, like, sort of circle of life to be able to, um, I guess, like, communicate with all levels of runners. And like I said early on, I don't, it doesn't matter how fast you are anymore to me. Like, and it never really did, I guess, but 
when you're an elite athlete, you are basically around a lot of elite athletes all the time. But now it's just really fun to hear everyone's journey and their excitement about pushing themselves hard and setting goals and, you know, achieving them, hopefully, but kind of learning from it if you don't. Right. And you know what? I... I as well feel that excitement from new runners and and maybe it's because a lot of people are taking up running right now, but so many people are just so excited about the sport of running. And as a coach, you know, I, I'm almost getting more excited about my athletes posting personal bests or just, you know, having great workouts and things like that than I did for myself when I was setting PRs. And so it, it's just so amazing to uh, give back to the running community in in certain ways and, you know, I want to talk about this a little more because I, I think running can be a very solitary sport. Um, and especially if you're an adult runner, you get started with, you know, maybe running for general fitness. Many of us start the sport alone. But how can we encourage those runners who do maybe start running later in life as adults to become more involved with the running community? Because I fear if we don't do that, if we don't get folks involved in the running community, if we don't get them embedded with a group, whether even if that's online right now, if it's virtual in some way, then we might be missing out on some of the best aspects of being a runner. Yeah. And some of the best friendships you'll ever have. I mean, really, it's amazing what conversations can be had on the run and how deep they can get. And I, you know, what's even kind of a fun little like new secret is a lot of my athletes, they might not be the same talent when it comes to running or, you know, same speed, but they've been calling each other on runs. And now it's like, you know, when you go to a gym and you run on treadmills, you, it doesn't matter what pace the next person's doing, you can still have a fun conversation. And now a lot of my athletes are going out and doing virtual runs, but then they'll pick up their phone on their easy days and call each other. And that's what I think is the best part. If you're new to this sport and you know, you don't know if you want to run with someone or you're nervous to run with someone, you know, I think that you need to just give it a try. And before you know it, you'll be going to the local running store, or you'll be going to, you know, whatever park people meet at, or, you know, you might even just be a part of a Facebook group or, you know, some sort of group where you post your runs, you know, it just, I think having the accountability, but also having that teammate aspect or that training partner or that best friend that you're sort of looking for that to me is really what's so nice about having training partners or teammates. And, you know, again, I find teammates all over, like you and I were part of the virtual series that we just ran. And that was so fun because we had this, you know, thread of texts going back and forth. And it just was like, I got to do this for my teammate or for this group. And it got me out the door and it got me, you know, really kind of excited to get going and to push myself. So yeah, I think if you are starting the sport, just welcome to a whole new family that you never knew you had. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think a lot of runners look at, you know, running with someone else or training partners and they think of, you know, this person is there to help push me harder and to help me have a better workout, to help me go faster. But it's not all about that. I mean, sure, you can train with those who are better than you, and they'll certainly make you into a better runner, you know, through their advice, through their good example, and through, you know, on the day, helping you through a tough period. But I think the other side of it is not the, the training partner side of things, it's just the, the running friend side of things. The person who you can just talk about running with, the person you can just tell your or slightly embarrassing stories <laughs> that sometimes happen to runners. 
uh, and all the things that just make runners runners, that can be expressed and communicated with other runners. And they'll understand exactly what you're talking about, what you're going through, all of the the ups and downs of being a runner, being injured, having a great race or a poor race. But if you don't ever start that dialogue with other runners, then you're just missing out on all that. And I think that's a shame. Yeah, I do too. I mean, there's a lot of really cool podcasts. Obviously, you have one, I have one um, that people can listen to. And I really recommend tuning into those every now and then. But I also recommend that conversation that is had on a run. It's, you know, they get deep and they also are, you know, just very meaningful. I think that, you know, anytime you think of a training partner, whether you really mesh and you get along well or you don't, there's still sort of like, I don't know, this sisterhood, this brotherhood, whatever it is, kind of comes out of that. And it's pretty special. Some of my favorite memories were running long runs on Sundays in college. And this was great because of two reasons. Number one, I was with some of my best friends. I lied. This is going to be three reasons. (laughs) One, I was with some of my best friends. Number two, we got to talk about going out the night before, which was always a fun time. And then we could talk about the race that we also ran the night before. And it's just, you know, you're with someone for an hour and a half or two hours and you're not doing anything else. You know, you, you, of course you're running, but you're not getting distracted by kids. You're not getting distracted by TV or anything like that. And you can just get into a real great conversation. And sometimes there will be lulls and that's fine. Um, but, you know, being able to run with other runners and participate in that dialogue is something special. I don't think there's anything quite like it. Now, obviously right now we're having a real tough time getting together with other runners and going on group runs. Um, so Carrie, what are you doing right now to, to connect with other runners and hopefully, you know, stay involved in the running community when so many of our options like group runs just aren't really available right now? Yeah. So I'm still coaching a few people here and there. I have I've never really po- like promoted that I coach, but I have a few clients that have come to me and asked me to coach them. And I love that. It's been really fun. Um, I also am writing some challenges and and doing different videos for rock and roll marathon. So that's been a whole new community that I've gotten involved in. I think they're up to about 60,000 that I'm writing some workouts for. And that's, um, you know, there's a new challenge each week with the virtual running club. And then I have moms on the run that I write workouts. I do audio workouts for them. So I tape their workouts and I actually go do the workout. Like this morning, I did some four minute intervals with some 30 seconders and I actually go through it. They can hear me huff and puff the whole way and it's super fun. Um, But then my personal training, I've been doing this long run challenge, which Generation You Can got involved with. I've been doing this since 2016 when I had Greer. Um, I used to run, well, I started running the number of miles he was in weeks. So I started when he was 10 weeks, I did a 10 mile run and I did that up until 20 miles. So he was 20 weeks old and I did a 20 miler and then I stopped. Now I've been using this for my marathon training and I really believe in it. I really like the long run challenge. So I've gotten a few people, about a hundred people are doing it with me and they are doing their own challenge whether it's one to six miles and they go up every week by a half mile Some start at three and they're going to 13. Some are starting with me at 10. And now we have two more runs where we get to 20. Um, But that being said, with quarantine, I will run with a couple different people. So I sort of have my little running group. 
It's Ben and Heather Camp. So some of you know Heather. She's the, they call her the road mile queen. She, she's an amazing runner. She's a 421 miler and 800 meter runner. She's still trying to make the Olympic team in 2021. And her husband, Ben, who's an A6 rep. And then I have just one other runner, Elizabeth Yetzer, now Spihar, um, who we train together. So once a week, I basically hit up these people and say, hey, can you help me with my long run challenge? And like you said, it's a good hour and a half to two hour plus run where we just are chatting everything about life. I love it. I love it. And I think the challenges that so many runners are doing right now are a great way to give back to the running community or, or just stay involved with the running community because there's so many virtual aspects to these challenges. Um, so you've got your long run challenge. This is exciting. Uh, <laughs> when you were training for the 1500, were you doing a 19, 20 mile long runs? Did your long runs get that long? You know, I had some 18 milers and I look back at them now and I I mean, they were pretty fast. They were, you know, there were times where I was getting close to six minute pace on a lot of those. And so had I really paid attention and that was sort of that era where you really kind of picked your distances and you stayed with it. You know, we didn't have the Shelby Houlihan's and the Sarah Halls and, you know, people that were running everything from 1500 meters all the way up to the marathon and, you know, everything in between. There weren't a lot of us doing that then. We were kind of sticking with 1500 and 5k or, you know, 800, 1500 or, five and 10 cares, like they weren't going all over the board. So I did do some long runs, but more so because my coach, Dennis Barker of Team USA, Minnesota, he had a lot of marathoners. And I think he saw that I could handle those long runs. Now, my body didn't always like it back then because I, I kind of pushed the envelope on both sides, speed and endurance. And so I think if we could go back, we would have stuck to maybe 14, 15 mile long runs and not dabbled too long in those 18 milers. But yeah, that was, I did, I did get up there. I did have some hundred mile plus weeks and sort of enjoyed doing the, you know, the long stuff. Yeah. Very different than some of the more speed oriented stuff that you were doing for the 1500. Yeah. And, you know, I've read that other milers around the world, uh, Nick Willis comes to mind from New Zealand. And, you know, he's someone who even when training for the mile, he's doing 18 mile long runs. And and I think that's just so instructive for other runners, you know, uh, recreational runners like us now um, for, you know, when we're training, when we're training for even short middle distance events like the mile or maybe even the 5k that those long runs are still quite valuable and they do give you a lot of bang for your buck. So I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that had I, you know, I kind of worked hard. I I'd have to say I had four quality days back when I was really trying to train my hardest. And I think if I would have done you know, a one act, one less day of hard quality running and maybe a little bit lower mileage on my long run, I probably would have been a little bit more injury um, free. But, you know, you, you never know. You say that, right? And you just never know. That just might have been the, the hand that I was dealt. But a lot of athletes know. Emma Coburn, for instance, uh, she's running high mileage when she does all of her steeplechases and you know, like I said, we see Shelby Houlihan running actually everything from the 800 all the way up to the 10 K right now. And she's saying she's going to probably run the marathon. Like she's doing big mileage too at times. So I do believe in the long run. I think there's something really special about it and it doesn't always have to be long and slow. Now as a recreational runner, like you said, 
I sometimes will throw in my weekly workout in that long run. So I just have one hard day every week and then it's done. And I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. And, and I started getting into that after college. I started just injecting some quality into my long runs. And, you know, sometimes it's very easy. When I was a little bit younger, some of those long runs were really hard. I was basically doing like a legitimate speed workout, you know, during the last five miles of a 18, 19 mile run. Um, now, Carrie, I, I kind of want to apologize. I noticed you were like recreational runner. Like you said, ah. you're really not a recreational runner. Um, yeah, I am. I totally am. Jason. Are you, are you really though? I want, you know what? I signed up for Strava this year because of the rambling runner se- series. And I think people will truly understand that I am not like blowing smoke when I talk about my training. Like I run hard. I say I play hard, but I rest hard. I just had my long run. I had two days off just because life was busy. I did a four miler this morning. Like, you know, some days are 20 minutes. Some days there's a seven mile run, but that's a pretty long run for me these days. But I will tell you that I've been able to stay pretty fit. So I, I agree with you. I am recreational, but I've just been gifted fast legs and maybe some good lungs. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, uh, are, maybe a recreational runner now you certainly have a history of being uh quite fast and and i know that's carrying you forward a little bit today and i I do enjoy looking at your workouts on strava it's actually great to see because you know what we're getting a glimpse of is basically how to maintain your fitness how to have fun with the sport while not you know running yourself into the ground you know like like we mentioned earlier you've got three kids i have three kids it's very difficult to get everything right and get the training exactly the way you would like to have it when you have all these other things going on in your life and uh i think that's a, a really good example you're setting um carrie this was a tour de force uh thank you so much for making some time i, I had a blast chatting with you and i want to end with a little optimism some hope Can you leave our listeners with some advice on how to keep their mind right and their training going right now? Because I know right now is a tough uh, time to be. Yeah. You know, I think just give yourself some grace. That's what I've really had to been doing. I've been doing myself is just reminding myself that this is a tough time. But for me, moving my body and, you know, being a part of this community, whether it's virtual or, you know, by reaching out and finding a friend that you feel is safe. I think that is so important. And I am a big believer in the 20 minute runs, people. Like, you don't have to go out for these 18, 19, 20 mile runs. Just get out the door, move your body, and start somewhere. You know, that's the big thing for me is if I can't get out there for a good long run, that's okay. 20 minutes just gives me that excitement and the feeling that I did something. I was purposeful for the day, and, um, you know, life is good. So get out there, move your body, stay healthy, and, We're right here with you every step of the way. You know, Carrie, I'm a big believer in the rule that something is better than nothing. So if you only have time for 20 minutes, then that's a great opportunity just to focus on your general fitness and health. You know, of course, you're not going to run a marathon on 20 minutes, but that 20 minutes is so good for your body. So if you have time for that, just do it. Exactly. That's my my motto in life is the 20 minute or my husband's motto is the lifetime taper. I don't recommend that so much because <laughs> he likes to do the <laughs> Ironman competitions off of hardly any work. But you know what? He gets through and and we're all happy. So whatever you can do, you guys, I think is better than nothing, like you said. And 
um, just give yourself grace because this is a hard time for all of us, but we're going to get through it. We sure will together. Well, Carrie, this was so fun. Thank you again for making the time. I had a blast. Oh, it was fun. I know folks are going to want to check out your podcast, check out all the fun things you're doing. I know you mentioned a couple things, but you know, if folks want to go down uh, the Carrie rabbit hole, mm-hmm. where can we start? Well, you know, I think if you go to see Tolly Run, you'll find my podcast. But if you follow me on Instagram or any social media network, um, go to my personal page, Carrie Tollefson. I'm much better at posting things there um, than on see Tolly Run. So that's where I'm at. I mean, you know, and I'm always a just a message away. If someone needs anything, you know, I answer every message. So let me know how I can help. I love that. That's so nice of you, Carrie. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. There it is, everyone. My conversation with Carrie was so much fun, and I hope you learned a few things from it that you can apply to your running. Don't be shy and be sure to find Carrie on social media and thank her for coming on the Strength Running Podcast. If this episode lit a fire underneath you, a review on Apple Music is so appreciated. And another big thanks to Path Projects for their continued support of this podcast. They have redesigned their website and launched a slew of new products recently, including the new Sykes 3-inch shorts that I am loving. They're now my favorite pair of running shorts to run in. And if you're in the market for new shorts, baseliners, or running shirts, I highly recommend them. You've probably noticed that I'm wearing a lot of their gear in my latest YouTube videos. It's that good that I wear their stuff whenever it's clean. And now that we've partnered for a few months, I can confidently say that their gear is durable. The shorts that I probably wear two or three times a week look amazing with no visible signs of wear. That's because they use a Japanese fiber called Tore Prime Flex. That's strong, that's light, and it's super durable. Plus, because they're online only and don't have any retailer markup, their stuff is affordable. I can't say enough good things about this company, so I hope you'll see what they're all about at pathprojects.com. That's it for me today. I hope you're doing well. I hope your running is progressing, and I hope this episode was insightful and that your running is moving forward. Talk soon. Talk soon.